Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone. Welcome to the podcast. It's your girl Jacqueline here and I'm just going to get this show started. It's just like, I don't have sometimes before starting something, I always get nervous and before talking, but I find that once I at least start to hit the record button and start jibber jabbering on, start opening my mouth, words come out, eventually I get the flow of things. And there were so many topics I wanted to talk about today. I, I was just looking at all my notes, reviewing everything that's going on with my clients and the group. And I was just like, oh, this is a good topic. We could talk about this too. And I was just like, you need to just pick one. <laughs> you just pick one and stick with it. Just go with it and do it. And that is so true. I was just talking to someone about bulimia recovery methods and how he mentioned that really a big problem with his is that he would just jump ship from method to method for recovery. And of course, none of them works. He didn't give them long enough. But so today I'm going to talk maybe a little bit about that. But the main thing I want to talk about is the fact that it's not you, it's the tools that you're using, it's the methods, the thoughts, it's the emotions, it's the behaviors, it's all of the things, it's maybe it's the people that you're listening to, maybe it's me. It's not you though. It's not you that is the problem with how, why you're not recovering from bulimia or why you're in bulimia, all those sorts of things. You are the one that's going to have to get yourself out of it, ultimately, of course, but you're not the one that is causing like you're not the reason that you're still stuck in bulimia. You are and you kind of aren't. Anyway, I will get to it. I promise. So I'll get to the episode. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I think it's an important topic because I talk to a lot of people that are struggling with bulimia, obviously. And I talk to a lot of people, they're struggling with bulimia and they really don't believe that they can recover whatsoever. And they always come to me and they tell me their story. And I'm always honored that I get to hear their story. It's a really intimate conversation to have with someone, but then they're always, they always think they're the worst case. They always think they're the worst case scenario and they're a lost cause. And because of how much arbitrary time they spent in bulimia, how um, bad they are, how awful it's been, what they're still doing. They, they always say like, part of me still wants bulimia. I'm really horrible person because that, that, I don't know, Jacqueline, like, I don't, I still kind of want it in my life. And I'm like, You are not the only person that told me this. Of course, you still want to have bulimia in your life partially. There's a lot of benefits that it offers you. That that doesn't mean you can't recover though. But to put this into context, you get like just jumping right out of the gate. I'm in a funny caffeinated mood today. Very hyped up. A friend of mine got me pumpkin spice almond milk creamer. And I really didn't think I liked pumpkin spice, but... I am down for it. It's really good. I really love how my coffee tastes right now. So I have been drinking probably more coffee than necessary. Um, So yeah, hyped up on energy. Anyway, I had a consult. Well, how this all started, I sent out an email. If you guys are on my email list, if you follow me on Instagram, I made a post that's titled, you're not broken, you're, you're misinformed. 
that's the thing that's like and the reason that I got that idea and what came from it is it came from a consultation I had this week I'm, I'm working with a group that's going really well we're, we're going through like awareness of bulimia and pausing to interrupt your habits right now it's exciting but also I have spaces open for coaching now that I'm doing the group so I was doing a consultation with someone who's interested in coaching and this girl she was really sweet talked to me our conversation actually was quite long and the biggest thing that she talked about at one point during the conversation, she was, we were talking about all the problems she was struggling with. And she was like, do you think, like, I know this is kind of a stupid question, but do you think I can recover? Do you think I'm even capable of recovery? And it was kind of an odd question to ask someone because first of all, it would be awful if I said no, right? It would be, you know, it's kind of putting me in this position where it's like, if I said no, that would, that would really crush that person, right? But I knew that if I just said yes, if I just said yes, I think even though I absolutely did believe she could recover, I knew if I just said yes, then that's not very believable either. Um, when you feel like shit about how you look and then you, someone gives you a compliment or you say, do I look okay in this? They'll say, yeah, you look fine. And it gives you that temporary reassurance, but you know, deep down, you still follow the thoughts you actually think. And you're like, no, it's, I look, I look awful. I look disgusting um, because you're in that toxic negative mindset space. You don't believe them for one second, or if you do, it's really shortly lived. So I knew if I just told her, yeah, I totally believe you can recover, even though I full-heartedly meant it, she's not going to believe me. So what I did, as I said, yeah, you can completely recover. And here's why. And I list out all the problems that she mentioned to me and what's actually going on. Because she, the whole time you're talking, she's like, I just can't do it. There's just something about me. And I kept, uh, in consults, I always ask people questions. I'm like, well, when do you typically binge and perch? What happened there? You know, what? why couldn't you in that moment pause? What's going on? And she kept circling back and being like, I just can't. It has to be someone else watching me. It has to be someone else hanging out. When I'm at work, I'm fine. All these sorts of things. And I told her, I listed out the reasons. And I said, it's not you. It's your restrictive thoughts. It's your restrictive behaviors that are creating this binging problem and this um, going past the point of no return. And then suddenly all bets are off and you might as well binge because you're going to purge anyway. It's not you. It's your fear of weight gain. And we really need to work on getting yourself to a comfortable place with your body, no matter what the size, and really trusting yourself with food again so that you're not constantly fearing weight gain. You're actually comfortable in your own skin and you like yourself and you trust yourself with food, you have a normal relationship with food. It's not you, it's your habitualness, it's your habits. You just automatically sometimes binge. We really need to get in there and create new habits and interrupt that. And that's gonna take some elbow grease, some work, a little bit of willpower maybe, but they're just habits. They're not necessarily you, they're neural pathways in your brain. They're patterns, automatic triggers, that sort of crap. It's not you, it's the habitualness of the, of the bulimia that's going on for you. And I also told her, it's not you, it's not you, it's your lack of belief in yourself. You don't even try in those moments where you do have an opportunity to get better. That moment when you're faced with wanting to binge and not binging, you are, that's your moment to shine. But because you don't even believe that it's possible for you to stop yourself, you really believe like someone has to be there or something has to be happening you're not even going to attempt. You're not even going to bother because you've tried so many times. You have a full stack of evidence as why you can't recover. And I also told her another thing, which is kind of unrelated, but 
Also, she was normal most of the time with food. When she's out with friends, when she's out with other people, when she's at work, she's not thinking about food. She's just, she's focused on her life. She spends about, you know, again, maybe 60% of her day, 70% of her days, not bulimic. There's only these small portions of time that are being, well, she's spending time in bulimia. I told her, there are, there are so many reasons that I believe you can recover. You're not the worst case scenario I've ever seen. And even those people, I fully believe that they can recover because it's not the person, it's the tools that they're using, the methodology that they're using, the methods they're using, the thoughts that they're thinking that are creating the reality they're living in, the things that they're trying. Maybe they're trying intuitive eating, but they're trying in a really screwed up way. Like they're just like, eat whatever I want and this will, and this will totally work. Maybe that does work for people. Like the, the mini mod method is um, so, uh, loosely that I'm not giving it justice, but sometimes that works for people. I have one client who she, the, what worked, what was the biggest change for her in our recovery coaching obviously helped and like talking about things over and over, over again, she's been loving it. But the biggest thing we did to stop her binging was making her eat more. And the binging was like 95% gone. It was insane. I've never seen like that big of a turnaround before. But for some people, that's not it. They're eating enough. They're just having all these restrictive thoughts and behaviors mentally. Renee Sager was on the podcast a while ago and she talked about mental restriction. That's a big thing that Fs people up and creates this whole binge and purge cycle. It makes them feel like they're not getting enough food because they're constantly eating things while feeling guilty and feeling like this is the last time I get to eat this. And it creates this drive to eat more and more and more food like that. It's not the person. And I say this so many times during this episode, it's not the person is the information. And I use the example in my post of, you know, you wouldn't, um, if some poor child kept telling you like two plus two equals zero and the earth is actually flat, uh, you wouldn't blame the child. Well, maybe like if this child was in complete isolation all his life, then you think, well, I guess that child just has some weird ideas. Even then though, probably not. But you would look to their teachers and their adults next to them and think, what have you been telling them? And then you find like all these flat earth signs and these weird math signs that don't make any sense. And you'd be like, oh, that's why. The child isn't incapable of learning. The child isn't broken. The child isn't a lost cause. He's just getting been getting really bad information. I think back to growing up on the farm and the uh, and I raised a lot of barn cats, a lot of kittens. And at one point, the, one of our cats had some kittens, but I didn't know that she had kittens. She had hidden them away. She's really sneaky. She had hidden the kittens away in the loft, the hay loft, the straw loft. Yes, I'm a country, country bumpkin. I grew up on a farm, in a barn. So I one day went to the, went to the barn and I heard like all these like w- little weird meows. And I realized like there, there are definitely kittens up there. There's something going on up there. So I went up in the loft and I was sifting through the hay and I found all of these little feral kittens. They were probably maybe they weren't a month old, but they were at least like three weeks old or something. They were all there. And I was like, oh my gosh. But the point of the story is (laughs) probably wondering why I'm talking to you suddenly about feral kittens is that those kittens, because of that three week, maybe a month gap, um, normally what I did is as soon as kittens were born, I would 
spend time with them. You'd socialize them, right? Like let them know, like, I'm your friend. I give you food. We're not these scary, um, hairless creatures that come down and try to eat you. We're friendly. Your humans are good. These cats didn't know who the hell I was. They had been spending all their time in this dark, secluded, warm loft of hay, only seeing their mother cat. And then I come in, this hairless giant, and pick them up. They hated me. So, you know, they would like hiss at me and all these sorts of things. So I had to sit with them. I had to spend, I've never spent so much time with kittens in my life trying to reteach them that no, actually I'm not gonna hurt you. They were standoffish for the rest of their life, but they at least came around and they eventually learned that I was not bad and humans were good and we gave them food and we were safe to be around and they didn't have to be afraid of us. So wrong information, toxic information. I mean, we're in the age right now of like fake news, right? We see how bad the wrong information can, can cause havoc. And so we don't blame, you don't necessarily want to blame the people. You want to blame the, the misspreading of information and those who are, are spreading it incorrectly, right? And the same goes for you to bring this full circle. If you're struggling with bulimia, stop taking it personally. Stop being so attached to the fact that, oh my God, I'm, I'm the lost cause. I can't do this. I can't learn any of these new things. Oh my God. I'm just hopeless. That's kind of, it's not the easy way out, but it's kind of the giving up sort of way out. It's the way out of just being like, well, I can't do it. So let's give up trying. Let's just, because it's easier in a way to be like, to accept the situation and think I'm just incapable of it. And then you can keep on going. It's miserable. It's hard. It's awful, but at least you don't have to keep trying and keep holding out hope while things don't work. But if you keep holding out hope and you keep trying more information, then you're going to recover. The other, the alternative I just mentioned is that you never, ever recover. You always just stay there unless you stumble upon some information that changes your life completely. And then you accidentally fall into recovery. That could happen, but most likely no. If you keep holding on to that hope though, you keep holding on to that, that sort of belief and keep trying things and stop taking it so personally and stop making it mean anything about you and make it mean that the methods you're trying, what's going on isn't working that's when you're probably going to make some real headway with recovery. And maybe, like I said, it could be the thoughts that are going on in your head. It could be the behaviors. It could be the uh, methods you're trying, the people you're listening to. I have a lot of people that they um, will struggle. They'll be on a good run. They'll be really successful in the recovery. And then they'll listen to one podcast who says something different that maybe like questions the stage they're at in recovery and makes them feel like, oh my God, I'm still struggling with that. Am I recovered? They start doubting and questioning it. And really they were doing fine on their own. Just misinformation screwed them up. I also asked this person um, who I was doing the consult with, why, how could you argue for why you were able to, or capable of recovery? How could you argue, how could you argue for why you were capable of recovery? She paused and she couldn't say anything. And I asked her this before I said all the previous stuff. Um, part of the thing that I said in response when she's like, I just can't really think of a reason. I told her to look outside of recovery to look for evidence as to why she could recover. So if you're having trouble, you're listening to what I'm saying, you're like, yeah, that's right information. But I really think part of it's just me. Jacqueline, like I've tried so many things. I get that a lot. I get so many people saying, I've tried everything. I don't necessarily believe I believe they've tried a lot I believe that they have tried so many things but I do not believe that they've found the right thing for them 
And that's the belief I hold on to. When someone says I've tried everything, I say in my own mind, they've tried a lot and they're exhausted and they're tired of this shit, but they have not tried every single thing. And, or they haven't tried it in the right way. Whatever that right way is for, for them, they have not stumbled across it yet. But anyway, I told this person, you know, and I want to, those of you, those of you guys out there that think like, it's, it's totally me. Like, I just am a lost cause. I'm never going to be able to recover. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, I want you to look in other areas of your life and look at what you are successful at. And this can be challenging. Some people are so deep into that trench, that dark hole that they think I do nothing right. But if you're listening to this podcast, that means you somehow have access to internet, um, a computer or cell phone of sorts. You somehow have access to that. And to do that, you had to have thought about looking up bulimia recovery, looking up, finding a place with internet access. Maybe it's because you bought that, or maybe it's because you have been able to stay in a home that has access to that. I don't know. But something about that, that, that can be considered a success that you are able to have access to this right now. A lot of people don't have that. That is a successful thing you have done. I know it sounds silly, but if you are in that space right now where you think I am a piece of shit and there's no way you can tell me I'm doing anything right, that is something you're doing right as you're looking for information to help you. Because you're listening to this episode right now, the words that I'm speaking right now, you have not given up on yourself completely. You're still trying. You're still persevering through something. You're still holding out a little bit of hope. That means that you have resilience. That means that you have a little bit of strength that you don't want to admit to. And that means that you are probably capable of recovery as well. If you're doing this right now, you're capable of recovery. But also, I'm sure that a lot of you guys listening, I, a lot of my clients are badass women. I have some men clients as well, but a lot of them are women. A lot of them are type A, high-paced entrepreneur, career women that are also moms. They're also doing all sorts of crazy stuff. They're just go, go, go. They are... They are pulling there to have lives that people that people would be jealous of uh, and yet they think oh I just can't figure out bulimia that's some bs like all of you guys out there listening there's one thing that you have that you've been able to overcome that you've been able to do you've been able to make it to this point in life that alone is a success you didn't just get there by being a complete idiot no one survives in this life without being complete without being at least somewhat competent in getting through things please take that as evidence that you can transfer those skills to bulimia recovery. And I remember, um, I think it, no, it aired a few weeks ago with Marcus Kane. He was on my podcast and I love chatting with Marcus. He's really, really good guy and deeply, deeply cares about those struggling with binging. But he mentioned a story about how he realized that the skills he used to get through stage fright, going on stage to do um, musical performances for concerts, uh, I don't know why I use that term. That was kind of weird. The same skills applied. So the skills from that applied to bulimia recovery. And it, they were so obvious to him, but at the, for a long time, he couldn't see it. There's probably skills in real life that you are already using that are transferable to bulimia recovery. And you're just not seeing it. You're not putting two and two together. And once you transfer those skills, they will come into play. A good example of this is... Um, how you manage desires for other things that you cannot immediately have. 
this is like an obvious example, but like a desire for sex, right? We all like human beings, sex is a thing, whatever. But you don't just, if you ever like want to have sex, you're not like, I need it now, it has to happen now, come on. Like you just push that off. I was talking with a client about this a few weeks ago and we were laughing because it's so silly. It'd be ridiculous if you were like that, right? You manage that desire or you desire to take a break sometimes at your work, there's a meeting going on and you would desire to take a nap. But you're like, no, we got to push it. You manage desires all the time and you ignore them and you're like, you know what, later, let's just put it on hold. Let's not even negotiate it. That same desire management, um, like uh, dealing with those things can be applied to bulimia recovery, can be applied to binge urges. But because they're binge urges and you habitually binge, you're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. I can't resist it. You have all these things built up in your head. Really, it's just a series of problems happening there. Maybe it's the habitual trigger where you're at. I just had a client tell me, she's like, eating, standing in the kitchen is a big trigger for me. I think I just happen to binge so often because I've done it so often there that when I'm in the kitchen, um, standing in the kitchen, I have the desire to eat even if I'm not hungry. So she's keeping an eye on that. She's not lingering around in there. She's not eating in the kitchen because it's such a big trigger. So you have like triggers that are happening when you have those urges, you've got dopamine driving you to get the binge, even though it doesn't, it's not going to help you at all. Maybe you've got thoughts saying like, you've already screwed up the day. We've already been picking at food. It doesn't matter. Maybe you have really horrible emotions happening right now. Maybe you've got a horrible, horrible day. Your boss is mean to you. Everyone's up and up. You're just tired. You're just stressed. You just want to break. All those things are coming into play when you want to binge and you just take that for what it is and you go for it. But if you could just realize the way you realize if you're tired during a work meeting, but you stick it out anyway, that you actually can make it through and the desires and urges will eventually go away. This is me hypersimplifying it. There are sometimes other things at play, but that is okay. This still applies. There's just things at play that you have to figure out still. Once you figure those things out, you will be able to stop binging. You will be able to stop recovery. Stop, um, you will be able to recover from bulimia. Sometimes it's not about binging at all. It's just about purging. There are a lot of things going on. But don't for one second think that it's about you, that you're the lost cause, that you're the broken one. I've seen people who've been struggling with bulimia for 30 plus years recover. So if you think it's a time thing, that's not true. You can get over it. It might take you a lot more time than someone who's been struggling for a year, maybe 10 years, but you can do it. You're not the broken one. You're not the lost cause. You have the ability to do it. And telling yourself that you are the broken one is not helping you in any way other than giving you some acceptance. And that is, you don't want to live your life like that. You don't want to live feeling like I'll never be able to have that thing that is actually just around the corner. It just takes you continuing to try and overcome and uncover those certain things that are holding you back. They're around there. There's the right method for you. Anyway, I hope this podcast was motivating to you. I hope this podcast helped you. Those out there that are feeling a little hopeless, feeling like you can't do it. I promise you that's not the case. Um, and I've seen a lot of evidence. It's, it's, it sucks for you guys out there because I get the benefit of working with so many people and talking to so many people about their recovery. So I see over and over again, people having success you are just in your own head. You're not working with tons of people recovering. Um, so you're kind of like, you keep being surrounded by your own failures and seeing there's more evidence, there's more evidence. 
That's why I highly encourage you in this podcast to purposefully look for evidence. Even if you can't find it in your bulimia recovery, look at it in the rest of your life. Even if it's something really simple and grasp onto that, because that will, that's, what's going to help you propel that belief and get to that, the point you want to go to. Um, but they are out there and work doing the work that I'm doing has helped me so much of my belief. And that's why it's easy for my clients to borrow my belief. And that's why it's easy to tell people like I did on that console. Yeah, you certainly can recover. And here's why, here's why the hell you can recover. And I know for sure, here are all the reasons it's not you. It's all these behaviors, thoughts, habits, methods, whatever. It's not fucking you. So um, I'm sorry for those of you guys out there going through it alone, but I promise you, you're not the only one and you definitely can recover. I believe that everyone is 100% capable of recovery always. Um, and that is why um, also, you know, always, if you want to work with me, if you found this podcast insightful, helpful, you like my personality, you like how hyped up I am on caffeine. Um, this is what happens when I have too much caffeine now, apparently then feel free to book a consult with me and we'll have a chat. We'll talk about what's going on in your bulimia right now. We'll help you get some clarity on what exactly you're doing that's not helping you, what is helping you and how to get to the point of recovery, whether you work with me or not. So consults are, sound scary, but they're really just a casual chat between you and me on what's going on with you right now. And they help people get a lot, a lot of clarity. And I'll tell you from personal experience, whenever I've done a consult with a coach, even if I haven't decided to work with that person, I cemented a lot more in my mind what I needed to do for my own life. Because usually when you're looking into a coach, you're looking into it for a specific reason. Sometimes not, but usually you have a goal in mind with what you want to work on with that person. And so forcing yourself to have that conversation with that person actually helps you think through what do exactly do I need to do this? What, what do I need to achieve? What do I need to change, switch? And talking to other people about it really helps you formulate that in your mind, whether you decide to work with them or not. So awesome. So I think that's a definite benefit of consults. But yeah, if you have been wanting to work with me for a while, I have a few spaces open for private one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will have another group happening um, in January. I'll be opening up another small group like I did in this October, uh, that that's going really well. It's a group of eight people right now. We're having a lot of fun. We're meeting three times a week and we're talking about, um, how to recover from bulimia, obviously, but awareness and recovery, how to get from that place of awareness to taking action, how to interrupt your habit loop. That's what's going on for us. We're in the beginning stages of that, but I'm really loving it. A lot of people that are in it are saying they really enjoy watching other people talk about their recovery. Group sounds kind of scary, but it, there's so many benefits to it. You learn a lot more about, you learn a lot more from watching other people sometimes than you learn from talking. So you get the benefit of getting coached and you also get the benefit of watching other people's coaching situations and learning from one another. So highly recommend if you're looking into bulimia recovery programs, then definitely check that one out. Enrollment for the next group will open in dis December and you'll get an announcement for that. Otherwise, I think have a good day, but I'll give you a little update on me. I didn't do it in the beginning of the episode like I had planned, but for those of you guys that's still listening, you're diehards, you like me. So I'll give you a personal update. Again, we got the pumpkin spice latte caffeine going. Um, next week, I'm going on vacation. So excited. I was very nervous about it um, because I, you know, I am the only person in my business. So when I leave 
then the business does not necessarily run without me, but I'm going to Universal Studios in Orlando. Specifically, I'm going for Halloween Horror Nights. Horror Nights. <laughs> I'm going for Halloween Horror Nights, um, which is so exciting. I've never been there. It's a 30-year anniversary. And I just, I'm telling you guys, I said in a few episodes ago, I love October. I love spooky season, spooky spooks. I love it. And I love, I've been reading all the Harry Potter books. So I'm going to go get to see all of the Harry Potter worlds that they have at Universal Studios and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just so excited. But I was really nervous about going on vacation. I was feeling guilty for leaving. Like, oh my God, who am I? I shouldn't be taking time off. I have so much I should be doing. And I was talking to my coach about it. And she told me, um, she talked about like, how could a vacation be beneficial for your business and for you? And I realized that um, if I take a break, it will really help rekindle some joy for me because I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. But a lot of times I am in my office talking to a screen and that is great. I would not trade it for any other career in the world, but um, it just sometimes can feel a little monotonous if you've been working all day in your office. And I haven't taken a break, a vacation in a while. So I think just experiencing joy and happiness and not thinking about work, not thinking about anything else, but zooming through roller coasters and laughing and, and getting scared at haunted houses, that's going to bring a lot of joy to my life and leave me feeling pretty invigorated uh, and actually teach me how to have fun, that you can have a balanced life, that it can, it's not just work, that you can actually enjoy things and take a vacation and set an example for my clients that I take care of myself and my mental health. Secondly, um, I realized that the last time I took a really long vacation, um, I started my business actually not the last time, but one of the times I took a really long vacation like this, um, I actually, this was what, it's what provoked the business that I have today and the podcast. Um, I took a trip to Miami and I, it was about two weeks long. It was a really long trip, really ridiculous. Um, the pandemic had just hit. That's what was happening. And life was in through all these, uh, all of these transitions and taking that time and peace, just to think about what I want to do with my life, taking time to be still not constantly doing, because when you are, when you're at work, you're constantly doing, 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 taking actions, just trying to make it to the next day. Cause you've got all your to-do lists. When you take a vacation, none, all of that's gone. So you really have a lot of space to think about what do I want to do? You have time to reflect really. You have time to think about like, do I want to keep on doing that? Do I want to go back to that part of my life? It's a good time to make change. Just like how um, interrupting, pausing when you want to binge, but it does, it halts that momentum going on um, that's driving you to binge so you can make a clear decision. Vacation's kind of like the pause of your life. So when you're in, in the daily in and outs and work and stuff like that, you're kind of moving, moving, moving to the grooving. You're not really in the best space of mind to think. So vacations are really useful for you getting away, clearing your head, having, having a breather and making proper decisions about what you would want to do when you get back. And I'm not saying I'm going to take, I'm going to be hanging out at Universal Studios and meditating the whole time and journaling what I want to do in my life. I'm just going to have fun. And if I journal, cool. If I don't journal, whatever. But I think that it will be, I think I'll come back with some good ideas. And I think I'll come back feeling really happy and healthy and invigorated. And I think I'll come back um, with some new decisions about what I want to do next, what, where I want myself, my life, my business, everything to go. 
Um, this is speaking in a very naive way because of course it's just a vacation, but I talked with all of that about to my coach and I've been thinking about it a lot and it will actually help me and my business and the people in my life a lot. So if you're feeling guilty about taking a vacation, taking time off, remember that it can actually be super useful. I was reading um, the book Minimalism, I think is what it's called. No, it's called Essentialism. <laughs> That's what the book is called. I have it back there. Um, and that book's about moving forward in one direction, focusing on one thing. But they also mention, I think it was Bill Gates, who he takes like two weeks off per year. He takes probably more time off than that, but he specifically takes two weeks off per year. So he can just re retreat and be in complete isolation, not work, read a bunch of books and reflect and play. And how playtime, um, not Bill Gates specifically, but there's a whole chapter about having play time for yourself, having a break, having just enjoyment time and how that can kind of free up your brain space to actually solve a lot of problems that you haven't been able to figure out because you're too close to it. And actually giving your mind a break, a breather, some, some time to just kind of take that space can actually allow you to be highly productive and come up with some really genius ideas because you're not so fixated and close to the problem. And to, I love metaphors and analogies, so I'm gonna keep on going with this, but to bring it to maybe an art perspective, in art school, if you're constantly working on a drawing or painting, it's really important to just walk away to just walk away from it for a little bit and then come back at least five minutes, if not more, because and, and a whole day. Because what happens is as you're looking at the painting or the drawing, your brain starts to make sense of things for you, um, starts to kind of, you get used to what, what you're looking at. And then if you come back the next day, you'll find that you see a bunch of things that are kind of off about it that you weren't able to see before. You're like, oh, what? That eye is actually up there what's happening I didn't even realize that it's funny your, your brain really starts to just manipulate and make sense of the situation for you it's almost like an optical illusion um it's funny so go and take a break if you've been working too hard I will be doing the same I will try to post some pictures on Instagram not for work purposes just to show some personality show me having some fun and highlight my life at Universal Studios <laughs> and um I've never been before so it should be good and outside of that, am I doing anything else? Oh, and I've also been um, binging on Bailey Sarian, uh, a YouTuber who does makeup. She does murder, mystery, and makeup episodes. I think I watched probably like 20 episodes over the weekend. It was bad. Um, but I don't, the weekends, I just like to vegetate. I don't really do anything productive over the weekends because I have that privilege. Um, and I make time for myself because it's important to rest, but that's also something I've been listening to during spooky season. So um, if you have not, if you are finding that YouTube, you've, you don't have anything to watch, I recommend that. It's basically true, true crime and makeup. And I love the way she describes it. I love the way she tells the stories better than a bunch of true crime podcasters and stuff like that. I think that she's just a little silly. She adds her own sass in it. Maybe it's unprofessional, but I like people that are a little less professional. They seem more human. I can't relate to people that are just like robotic and never make any mistakes or completely perfect. And that's what I try to portray in this podcast as someone who's definitely human, definitely make mistakes, but I'm here all the same. Anyway, I think I've rambled long enough. I hope this podcast was helpful to you guys. Thank you for listening to up until this point. I appreciate you. Without you, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast episode. 
I hope you, you find peace throughout your weekend on this Friday. I hope that you keep on trying and fighting for recovery, fighting for yourself. So you gotta remember, even though it's really tough right now, what's on the other side of recovery, what's on the other side of bulimia is a life full of freedom, a life that is not attached to food and weight and body image, a life that you can actually enjoy and be fully present for it's so much better it's it's got its problems but it's so much better so please remember what you're fighting for i promise that it's worth it um and remember it's not you it's just misinformation it's just methods that are wrong it's just the thoughts the behaviors it's not you it's what you're doing that's the problem it's the actions that are the problem not you and you just have to find the right ones the right actions the right methods to actually recover so remember that as you continue on your journey and also it's very brave of you to do that okay i hope you guys have a great wonderful weekend i'll talk to you next week never give up on yourself my friends bye hey if you like this episode you have to come check out the binge breakers recovery course if you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you come join the course go to bingebreakers.com recovery course